Hi and welcome everyone to the 68th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson. Today's podcast will be about Power Platform and with me today I have Steve Mordu from Forceworks. Steve is a Microsoft Dynamics 365 MVP, CEO of Forceworks, who was recently one of the first partners to achieve the gold ISV competency and a former Microsoft Partner of the Year. A former Salesforce.com consultant who after 10 years saw the light in 2011 and moved to Dynamics CRM Online. Forceworks is the developer of Rapid Start CRM, a simple CRM alternative for the first-party enterprise apps built on the Dynamics 365 CDS platform. Welcome, Steve Mordu. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I've been a long-time listener to your podcast and, uh, you know, thrilled to be on one. CRM is all about managing a customer relationship. So what is a good customer relationship to you? You know, that's actually changed over the recent years. I'd say right now a good customer relationship for me is a customer that doesn't talk to me. Um, we're really trying to focus on a, a simple model that doesn't require a lot of assistance from you know us as the, as the partner ISV. So when we have a customer who's able to go through some of our um, assets and get themselves set up by themselves and get themselves off and going without ever talking to us at all, I think that's a good customer. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Trying to keep it simple. Not that I don't want to talk to customers. I love to, but uh, if I have to, then you know something is probably broken down in our in our idea. Who are your customer then? So our customer is primarily um, a small, mid-size, and even larger customers that are struggling with uh, sales or service or light project management processes, and who has looked at you know, Salesforce or even the first-party Dynamics apps and has decided that they are too complex, that, that the learning curve may be a little too steep uh, and they just don't have the patience or are concerned about their users adopting it. Uh, and that's really who we've tried to target with our, our solutions is that particular kind of a customer. So as a CEO and MVP, what is it that you do? Well, lately it seems like I spend a lot of time talking to folks at Microsoft. Um, you know, some of the things we're doing are kind of on uh, on the bleeding edge of some of the things they're trying to do, and uh, you know, trying to keep keep abreast of new things that are coming and working through some of the things that have recently come out, and make sure we've understood them and make sure we're incorporating them, and we're we're trying to create some showpieces for Microsoft to some of their new technologies as well. So lately, that's been a lot of my job is is engaging with uh, the Microsoft Teams. And we're customers all the time. So what's your last memorable customer experience? My last memorable customer experience as a customer? You know, I would have to say that it would be with the Dynamics 365 for marketing team because, you know, we're a customer of Microsoft's, as all of us partners are, um, in that uh, we're looking for them to provide products to us that we'll either use ourselves or make available to our customers. So in that role, we're a customer of theirs. And I've been pretty impressed with the responsiveness of that particular team to some challenges that product had when it first launched. Um, So that's been a good customer experience for us. So if we go to this Power Platform, what is it? Yeah, Power Platform is a a new... uh, kind of characterization, I guess, of a way to approach business applications, um, which brings in what we've known of as Dynamics 365, 
through Power Apps, uh, which you could look at Power Apps as another way to build Dynamics 365 applications, but also then incorporating uh, Power BI for the analytics, as well as Microsoft Flow uh, for the workflow engine. And those three legs uh, make up that, that stool of, uh, of the Power Platform. That's, it's going to be exciting. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big change for Microsoft from what they've historically uh, made available and really taking these three products and linking them together as a single uh, offering, uh, or at least under a single banner, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that how that hits the market. Is this like a license thing then that you can just go and, and buy this power platform? No, you know, licensing for Microsoft has always been a challenge for, for Microsoft and their partners. You know, there's so many different components now and, and they have so many different purposes and so many different levels of each component that unfortunately the licensing of these products gets necessarily complex um, it certainly would be nice if it could get a lot simpler, and I know they, they try hard to make it as simple as it can be, but it, even as simple as it can be is not too simple, uh, simply because there's just too much. There's just too many different products, too many different paths, too many different levels, and I think that they're trying to do that so that they can you know, satisfy every customer's requirement. You, know, you don't want to have a one-size-fits-all that's too big for everybody, so you end up with lots of different variations, and then the licensing just kind of... Uh, gets more complex. So certainly there's a licensing aspect to everything we do with uh, Microsoft. Um, and so there's also, you know, licensing around this Power Platform. And Power Platform is going to require, you know, you to be licensed for Power Apps. It's going to be require you to be licensed for Power BI and licensed for Flow. Uh, and there's some licenses that kind of combine those and different, different combinations. Some people may not need all three. So the licensing is a conversation really you have to have with each customer about what they're trying to accomplish. So if we look at the slightly older terminology than common data model or common data service, how does that fit into this then? Yeah, and those, those are still both uh, relevant terms. You know, common data service is really the underlying database that we have now that, that uh, Dynamics 365 runs on top of. Uh, it's it's part of that change that was made with version 9 that Dynamics 365 now runs on top of what's called the Common Data Service and Power Apps also runs on top of the Common Data Service and there will be you know more products running on top of that same Common Data Service uh, in time. Yeah, you know, the advantage to that is that uh, it starts eliminating the silos. You know, instead of having a contacts information in three different systems all, you know, feeding into three different databases, those three different systems are all, you know, engaging with a single database, and that contact is just in your system one time. Uh, and that's huge. I think that's something that many vendors out there have struggled with is uh, when they when they cover lots of bases in business applications, they naturally just end up with siloed data. And a lot of what Common Data Service is doing is is really eliminating all those silos. Um, the Common Data Model kind of sits on top of the Common Data Service, and that's really the schema uh, for whatever it is that you're working with, whether it's uh, the core uh, Power Apps, uh, whether it's Enterprise, Dynamics 365 Enterprise Sales or Service, uh, each of those has a uh, data model, and that's where the CDM comes into place, uh, is on top of that. So you would say that the Power Apps, like if I say a model-driven Power Apps, it is 
basically the same that the CDS for apps is then? It's running on the same CDS. Yep, exactly. Uh, the the advantage of the Power Apps uh, by itself is that uh, you know it's less expensive. Uh, you can build an application really into anything you want it to be, but you're kind of starting with just raw cloth. Uh, whereas uh, starting with a an existing app like say Dynamics Enterprise Sales, you know you're starting with a completely built application and then customizing it from there to take and make it further meet your needs. And of course, those two things will work together. You could have Dynamics 365 Enterprise Sales as your application that you're using, which really is a, a very advanced power app. Think of that as a very advanced power app that was built by Microsoft. You've also got the power apps uh, capabilities on top of that to further extend it. Or you could build something from scratch on your own using power apps without the first party apps and build on the same platform that Microsoft built enterprise sales on. So these first party apps, those are the sort of old CRM modules that we used to talk about earlier and that's now labeled apps, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, earlier uh, before this whole shift, you know, we had a unified application. It was a single application that included sales and service uh, and what they used to call marketing. There were a couple of additional add-on solutions that they acquired. Field service was one, uh, project service was one that they built. And those two are really kind of the start of the appification, if you will, um, in that they had this core multi-purpose application and these other additional apps. And over time, what they've done is they've just kind of broken the core apps into their constituent applications as individual apps. And now all of these are, you know, sales is an app, service is an app, uh, marketing is an app. Uh, all these are individual apps. All of them run on top of the same CDS uh, tenant uh, that you would spin up. And all of them, you know, you can mix or match and put any of those apps uh, together and they all work with that same data. What does this mean for me then? If I'm a consultant, ISV or a customer, what, what's, what's in it for me? Well, I'd say those are three different roles, and depending on which uh, chair you're sitting in, what's in it for you is going to vary. Uh, you know, if you're a, an SI, um, you're going to look at, uh, you know, Power Apps will really be the new solution explorer that you've always used uh, for extending and customizing the first-party apps with your customers. So that business that has been around for many years will continue to be around. Uh, for, uh, you know, the customer, the same thing if they've, you know, been doing their own customizations, they'll be able to continue to customize, you know, the applications the same way they always have. Uh, there'll be some new capabilities around there um, and some things will change uh, for the better. There'll be new um, UIs for, you know, building views, new UIs for building uh, forms and things like that, but the process will be the same. I think probably the one that it impacts the most or has the most potential uh, to impact is ISVs. Um, many ISVs have traditionally built on top of the first-party app. That was really up until recently. The only way you could build an ISV solution was to start with enterprise sales or service or wherever your solution was going to go and then extend on top of that. Uh, now with the introduction of the, the Power Apps uh, license by itself, you could, as I mentioned before, kind of build, some, build your ISV solution from scratch and uh, you know, not, not utilize any of the first-party applications. Uh, so that's a different, and, and you know, that, that, that certainly is a road to, to explore for any ISV. It's, I'm not saying it's an easy road, 
certainly if they built on top of the first party apps, they had the advantage of you know, quite a bit of code that already existed for them to utilize. Uh, but, you know, that code comes at a price. So if I am an ISV or, or any of the other, what's what's the big thing here? What's the change that really made for, for this power apps compared to just dynamic CRM online then? You know, I would say for an ISV, again, depending on what your solution is or what you're trying to approach, you, you now have the ability to build on a platform license, which is something that Salesforce has had for years. And we, we never really had that up until very recently. And since they've taken, um, you know, the enterprise sales app, the first party enterprise sales service, et cetera, and kind of removed them from the underlying uh, database, which is CDS, um, Power Apps runs on top of that same database. So you could literally deploy that database without any of those first-party apps and then build your own application on the same database that the first-party apps were built on. And it, it offers some, uh, you know, again, depending on what you're trying to solve for, it can offer some advantages. Uh, for example, um, in our case with Rapid Start, the, the first iteration of that was uh, on top of the Enterprise Sales app and extended that. And the way that it extended that, frankly, was by, you know, hiding a bunch of it and and um, trying to make that complex application simpler uh, for, you know, users to, to adopt and use. And a lot of the goal of that was hiding lots of powerful functionality uh, for that user until sometime in the future when they were ready for it. So that meant we were, you know, two things. One, of course, our customers were paying for all that functionality, even though we were hiding it. And we had a lot of work to go and hide all that functionality. So for us, shifting that underneath uh, and putting it right on top of CDS allowed us to just build what we needed for our customers without having them have to pay for features they weren't going to use, uh, and also without having us to deal with all those features and capabilities to have to work around or, or engage with or even have to hide. We just build what we want to expose and expose that. And since it's built on CDS, uh, if a customer were to start with a solution like ours and then decide, you know what, we really want to move into the full uh, enterprise sales app, um, that's a simple process. They just buy the buy the license for the sales app, and it'll run right on top of the same CDS that our solution ran on. So all their data is still there. So it's a lot easier for them to upgrade uh, to the full applications. And I think that's going to be a big path for a lot of ISVs is potentially building maybe a a, maybe a simpler version of their application as a starter uh, on, on Power Apps alone. And then a customer could then, of course, move up to a first-party app that would then engage maybe their more advanced ISV solution. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. And there's quite a few ISVs out there now that, that really have built almost their entire solution is custom uh, entities and sits really next to uh, the enterprise applications already. Um, so those are prime candidates to really look at, at building right on top of CDS through Power Apps. What they'll need to look at is where they've taken dependencies on the first party apps, because of course those first party apps don't exist unless you've acquired them. Um, so they're not on CDS by default unless you acquire them. So if I take that example that you have here well, with the rapid start, how do you think about those dependencies that you came up with here last? And uh, I mean, if you want to work with something that has customers, then you perhaps want to have something that work with the sales and their entity account. But you 
can't really use that, right? Because you're not sure it's there, or? Yeah, the the sales entity. So the, the CDS uh, database without any first-party apps includes some entities. It has accounts, it has contacts, it has activities, it has, you know, the workflow engine is in there. It doesn't have things like leads. Uh, leads are specific to the sales app. It doesn't have opportunities. Those are specific to the sales app. It doesn't have uh, incidents. Those are specific to the service app. Uh, it certainly doesn't have anything to do with resource scheduling or any of the things related to uh, PSA or field service. Those all kind of get added to that CDS when you install those apps. So when you're building an application on the CDS without any of those apps and you're really starting with accounts and contacts and you think about, I want to build, you know, as a, as a vertical, a highly verticalized solution where you were primarily made up of custom entities anyway, no problem. You just build your custom entities right there on CDS. Uh, if you were highly dependent on existing entities in the first party apps, well, that's, that's going to be a lot of work to rebuild uh, some of that sort of stuff. Um, and some of those are what they call restricted entities, meaning you can't really even rebuild them. Um, but, you know, other than that, uh, depending on how far you want to go, uh, like, for example, in our rapid start, uh, we have a concept of uh, opportunities that is not using the out-of-the-box first-party sales app opportunities. We've had to create our own, you know, similar, s slimmer opportunity uh, entity. Uh, we've also got one for cases and we've got one for projects that are that are simpler um, pieces. And then when a user wants to upgrade, we just have a workflow that will push everything from our custom entity into the first party entity when they add that that on top of there and then they're off to the races with the first party apps all right so you sort of migrate into that entity or or first party entity then and and sort of map your custom fields to the 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 one in in sales then all right and that and even that is 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 i, I think temporary there's been discussion about releasing the uh, the common data model, we talked about that earlier, the CDM schema, for example, for sales, uh, where you could you could add the sales schema to the CDS without actually purchasing the sales application. Um, so that would actually then give you those entities like, you know, the opportunities, uh, leads, and other, other items right there in the CDS to build on. You just wouldn't have the first-party application, and of course, everything that's wrapped around the first-party party application, you just would get the schema. Uh, right now, in order to get that schema, you have to purchase a first-party app, and then, of course, that schema is you know, installed. But I know there's discussion about making that schema available independently. They're doing something similar with some of these accelerators. I know uh, Michael's working on the healthcare accelerator for Microsoft, which uh, is really a schema that would get installed on top of CDS to bring in healthcare-related entities from dealing with various healthcare companies, the kind of things they need for, uh, you know, for running a healthcare operation, uh, taking input from lots of partners about, you know, what are the things that you need every time you get involved in a healthcare client and, and trying to build an accelerator. And the first version of that was dependent on you know, it really was dependent on a lot of the first-party applications. Um, and we've been talking with that team and working with them to see if there's a way to create, maybe a, maybe it's a light version of the healthcare accelerator that could really just be stood up on CDS by itself. So someone thinking about, I want to build a, you know, a specific application for dentists or something like that. Uh, there's not a lot in the first-party apps that would help that. Uh, they'd be better off starting with accounts and contacts and building their own 
and this healthcare accelerator could potentially give them quite a few more other uh, tools in that toolbox to build, say, a, you know, a specific application for a dentist practice. So that would give them the benefit of not having to sort of purchase the, the sales licensing for their customer and lower that cost and perhaps even lowering the development cost then. Do you think that's correct? Yeah, I think if, I, if you take that same example of building a solution for a dental office, um, you know, they don't really necessarily have a concept of leads or opportunities. They certainly have patients uh, and they have, uh, you know, patients coming in, uh, patient plans. They've got, there's very little in the out-of-the-box sales application that's going to help a dental practice. So not only are you, you know, spending some more money to have that application, but from a development standpoint, now you're trying to take something very large that wasn't remotely close to your, your actual requirements and modify it into meeting your requirements. Uh, and that could easily be as much or more work than starting with nothing and just building your own, you know? All right. Um, so in this power platform, do you have the capabilities from the platform from CRM that we used to like, uh, like user roles, like export to Excel, all of those sort of platform functionalities that we've been learned to, yeah. Love. I do. Yep. Uh, I'd say that, um, the, uh, the, the CDS uh, and the platform itself, you know, the workflow engine is there, security roles are all there, all the, all the ability to, to, to model everything security-wise that you would need to is there, the ability to create your custom entities is there. Um, everything that you would normally, when you look in the Solution Explorer right now in Dynamics 365 and you go to the entities and click Add New, everything that's there will be over in CDS as well. Uh, to be able to build anything custom that you would want to build. I think that um, the one thing about the, the Power Apps is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it runs in the unified interface, which is the new interface, um, which is another thing partners and ISVs need to be thinking about because that's a pretty big shift, uh, not just for Power Apps, which is native that way, but for Dynamics 365, where they still have a web UI and the unified interface, and that web UI will be going away at some point in the future. And one of the reasons it's not already gone is that the unified interface isn't quite at parity uh, with what you could do with the web client. Um, but there, uh, another slew of capabilities are coming out uh, with that here in October, right around the corner. That's going to plug probably almost all of the, the common gaps or maybe some outlier things here and there that will follow later. But come October, Really, there won't be any excuse for building anything targeting the web UI anymore. And I think ISVs you know, will need to look at that and make sure that their solution you know, will work properly on the new UI. I think already we're looking at, when you look at something like AppSource and you look at all the apps in there, and there, there's some apps in there that were built for you know, 8, 8.2 or something like that that wouldn't even work today on on the new solution. And I think I think that's kind of the ISV's responsibility is to make sure that if you're going to build a solution and stick it out there in the market, then you've also kind of taken on the responsibility for keeping it current. And I think I see a lot of them that aren't. And uh, this is just more, you know, more stuff for ISVs to have to deal with. Another cost of being an ISV, uh, keeping it up to date. Uh, so 
all of this we mentioned this far is pretty much just CDS for apps, right? So what about CDS for analytics then? What's, what's the difference? So CDS for analytics, and I'm certainly not an expert in that particular application yet, and I know it's also pretty new. Um, the idea there is that the kind of database that you need for you know, managing CRM records and, you know, ads and deletes and things like that is a little different than the kind of database that you would want to have for generating, you know, deep analytical information. Um, and so the, the design of those two uh, data services, the one for apps and the one for analytics is intentionally different because they're for different purposes. And so I'm looking at the CDS for analytics is really where that's going that's to kind of be the back end for a lot of Power BI, where it's churning through tons and tons and tons of data, you know, to generate meaningful visualizations for customers in a, in a way that wouldn't be really practical to try and do in the uh, CDS for apps database. So it would be certainly nice if everything could all be done in one thing, but there's, a, you know, reasons why there needs to be kind of two CDSs because of those two different purposes. Okay, so would you say that right now, today, it's not really there, it's mostly Power BI over there then? Yeah, I would say the CDS for analytics is mostly on the Power BI side of the house. Yeah. So we haven't actually touched on Microsoft Flow then. So what's that in this scheme of Power Platform then? So Flow, uh, for those that are familiar with it, is kind of like a started out as kind of a, a, a simple workflow uh, engine, kind of like If This Then That or Zapier or some of the other several that have been out there for a while that essentially um, provide for connectors um, to connect you know one application to another. You pick your two connectors. I want to connect from this application to that application, and then with Flow you can make something happen. So in this application, a new record is created. I want that to trigger a flow that I've written uh, in, you know, a, a pretty simple UI designed for um, non-developers. Uh, you know, when this happens over here, I want to have this happen over there. And that's where flow kind of began and where it's, you know, gained its popularity. In the future, uh, the entire workflow engine inside of Dynamics that we're all familiar with, uh, you know, building workflows in Dynamics is going to move over to Flow. Now, if you look at Flow today and you look at the workflow engine that we've been using for years, you would say there's an awful lot of stuff missing for Flow to be able to replace that. Um, and that's work that's going on now is really building all those capabilities into Flow. So Flow is going to end up being both a simple a workflow builder for uh, citizen developers, as well as an advanced workflow builder for, uh, you know, partners, SIs, ISVs, and, and, and real developers. So Flow is going to be a pretty important leg on that stool in the very near future. So will they have to rename that then? Because it's called a Power Platform, it's called Power Apps, it's called Power BI, but it's Microsoft Flow. Will it have to be renamed to Power PowerFlow instead? Then? You know, I, I, I had heard a rumor, don't know if it's true, that there was some muffler company out there that uh, trademarked the name PowerFlow. Um, so I think that uh, certainly if Microsoft had their choice, I'm sure they'd love to call it PowerFlow, but somebody's already got that name. So uh, they've had to uh, go a different, a different way on the naming. So I don't, <laughs> okay, I don't expect, I don't, I don't think they're going to buy an entire muffler company just to get the name. You know? 
no probably not then but it, it sort of lines up just slightly out of the way and you know we've got another big partner out there is also an isv with a whole bunch of solutions in the market called power this and power that so you know there could be some confusion there too i think with some customers do you have examples of what you have done with this power platform then well we built rapid start is built on the power platform but it's really built using one leg of the stool and that's the power apps leg uh, we haven't engaged it yet with the other two legs uh, primarily because um, it, while they will be in the near future right now those other they're not solution aware so as an isv you know whatever you build you want to be able to package up into a single package that can be easily distributed um, at scale uh, with minimal steps and right now we don't have the ability to incorporate a you know power bi into that same package or flow for that matter but those are coming soon so we've gone as far as we can go which is frankly quite a ways with the power apps and are looking forward in the near future of incorporating the other two legs of that stool and and be able to cover that whole platform and i think that's also that's important for isvs but certainly uh, customers and partners working for customers can take advantage of all three of those things right now. Uh, they, if they don't have the need to package that up and distribute it widely, which they wouldn't if they're just working on a customer's tenant, they're certainly able to use all three of those, those stools, uh, legs of the stool. The other area where we've been investing a lot of energy is in the power control framework. Um, it used to be called the custom control framework. Now we're, we're sticking power on everything. So the power control framework, which is which is a new um, a new UI component, if you will, for building uh, building UI uh, components to use in Power Apps, uh, which of course would then also work in Dynamics 365, and also can be used in the Canvas apps, which is kind of the the light version of Power Apps, if you will. And with power control power control framework, you could, for example, build a I don't know, you could build a, a thermometer um, gauge that you could put on a number field. So as a number field is going up, instead of seeing a number field, you'd be looking at a thermometer gauge or, or something like that. So it's really a lot around the visualizations of data, uh, which uh, we're looking to make Rapid Start literally a showcase of visualizations because uh, I think they're really cool. I think they, they really light up the application in ways that we haven't really been able to do before, uh, short of you know bringing in external web resources from some other outside sources and dealing with managing all that. Um, so that power control framework, I think is, is, I really look at it as like frosting on the cake. Yeah, and I think we've been missing that as well. So can you use this power control framework within the list as well? So you can, in your overview, see this temperature measurements as as the colors then yeah i mean you can use power the power control framework will work across lists forms fields you know uh, all kind of throughout the application it's uh it's in preview right now um and i know we're one of the people working with that team to build some fairly sophisticated controls i know there's some other partners working on some fairly sophisticated controls and really you know, a, a temperature gauge would be a pretty simple thing. Uh, we're really trying to stretch that uh, model as far as as far as it can go, and uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. Both you know, we're learning stuff. The team, the, the power control framework team, is learning stuff. 
Uh, and that's, that's just going to be an awesome piece of technology once that thing is, is all done and rolled out. Okay, so you mentioned uh, going back a little bit, you, you talked about solution aware here. So I want to dig into that a little bit with sort of the, this new term then, the power platform, and that has the Power Apps, the Power BI, and Microsoft Flow then. So you, you mentioned, okay, it's not easily distributable through App Source because it's not solution aware, right? So it's just the Power Apps part now that sort of you can bundle in this solution and distribute through the app source. So app source doesn't quite support the power platform yet then, right? Well, and you know, our, uh, app source is one avenue for distribution. Uh, of course, another avenue is that you've just built a managed solution uh, of your of your own and you install it on your customers or provide it to customers to install uh, kind of uh, that way as opposed to through uh, app source there's, there's different ways to get a solution installed but when you look at that managed solution package um, what i mean by solution aware is components that can be added into that managed solution package and right now you know flows is an external service um, so you know you can engage with flows but you can't for example include a flow in a managed solution package today you will be soon and the same thing with power bi uh, you can't include that into a managed solution package that you can save off and then go install on another tenant and have it deploy all those components for you. There'll be some, uh, even when it is solution aware, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some licensing. You know, right now, these things are, as I mentioned earlier, the licensing, licensing is kind of confusing. Um, and I can see some some needs for you know, some consolidating of some licenses. If I've built a power platform application that uses all three legs of that stool and I've got them in a managed solution, you know, I'd like to have a single license that I could offer to a customer that would activate, you know, not only their their dynamics, I mean, their, uh, their power app, but also their Power BI as well as their flow. And, and some of these licenses include parts of that. So it's it's, it's you definitely got to take some studying of the the pricing and licensing guide, uh, which we're going to be getting a new one here shortly, uh, kind of updating quite a few things across the stack. So it seems that this power platform is a it's a big promise, but it's not quite there just yet. Then would you agree with me on that? Yeah, you know, I tell you what, I think everything we're doing now and everything we're going to be doing in this space from now on is going to be a work in process. Um, you know, we're in this cloud world that we live in today and the competitive world that Microsoft is in. I don't think anything ever gets finished. I think that, uh, you know, before they finish a set of features, they're already, I mean, we're working with the Dynamics for Marketing team and they're rolling out some additional uh, features uh, for, for that product here in October, but we're already talking to them about stuff for FY19. So that it never ends, uh, you know, the building on these these products. Um, so I don't think we get to a, a completed state ever. Uh, it's just a continuous evolution. And, you know, Power Platform is in that evolution. And I talk about, yeah, it's going to be great here soon when these things are solution aware. But as soon as that happens, there'll be something else that, man, it's going to be great when that happens. And, well, it'll be great when this happens. So it's always going to be a, a path forward of things we're going to be looking forward to get, get happening. I mean, have we not even thought about these things being solution aware? We wouldn't be excited about it. Um, then we, we hear about it. Now we're excited about it. We'll hear about more things in the future that are going to sound exciting, and then we'll be like, we can't wait for those either. Um, but I think it's 
that's the nature of the of the world we're in today. Um, and speaking of that, you know, the other thing that I think people are going to need to be aware of is this is this move to get to a single version of the platform. So, you know, right now there's um, you know, there's two or three versions of, of uh, Dynamics 365 uh, floating around in the cloud, back to 8.2, maybe even some older than that. Um, and that's a real challenge for Microsoft to support all those things. They announce features. People get excited about those features, but, you know, they're not going to work on 8.2. Um, and so that's coming here on the very near horizon is really a push for everyone to get onto a single version of the platform. And when they roll out updates, they roll them out across everybody and everybody's always on the latest version of the platform. Presents another, uh, more challenges for ISVs again to make sure that they are paying attention. Um, the way they're contemplating doing that, of course, is that uh, they'll be backward compatible and new features will be off by default, which sounds great. You know, theoretically a customer has an automatic upgrade happen and they don't even know it happened. Suddenly they have new features they can turn on if they want to, but how far backward compatible will they be? Um, they're certainly not going to keep rolling back. At some point, features you've been using either as a customer or an ISV, there'll be features that will get deprecated. Uh, maybe it'll be a couple of updates forward before that happens, but as an ISV and a customer both, you, you really need to be paying attention to even though this particular feature is not being dropped in this next release, uh, it clearly is earmarked for dropping sometime soon, and you need to be, you know, thinking about it. Okay, so do you think this is a good thing? Then, like, okay, let's take example dialogues. They marked it as deprecated for quite some time now. If they were to say that, okay, October, then it's gone, and everyone that has it will not see it anymore. What would you sort of be your response? Probably a good example. I think that that there are certain features and capabilities that they would like to deprecate. Um, <clears throat> Dialogues is certainly one of them they'd like to deprecate. They don't really want to continue investing in that that particular engine when they have other better engines for building dialogues, like uh, task flows and things like that. Um, but they can't turn it off until. You know, again, kind of like the unified interface. They can't turn off the old web UI until unified interface does at least what the old one did, uh, and hopefully a lot more. It may do it differently, but it needs to at least serve that same purpose. So someone who's using Dialogues today, um, you know, Microsoft has to have a viable alternative that replaces that, that need, that requirement fully. Um, and task flows is where they're going to go with that. And once they feel like they've, you know, covered that base uh, fully enough, yeah, they'll deprecate those dialogues. And a customer who's been using them and had their head in the sand and wasn't really paying attention to what's going on in the platform is going to stick their head up one day and, oops, my dialogues are all gone. But, you know, Microsoft's going out of their way to, to make all of us partners certainly aware of things that are coming. Um, and uh, customers... You know, they're, they're going to hopefully hear it from partners or they're engaged enough to hear it themselves or, you know, suddenly they'll realize something is gone. Some things Microsoft may be able to build some automated migration tools. I don't see them building a tool to migrate all your dialogues to task flows necessarily. Maybe a, maybe some smart partner will go build a tool for that and put it in the XRM toolbox or something. But some things they'll announce a deprecation for, like, for example, they announced a deprecation of the, uh, the Outlook um, Thick Client. Um, and you know there are a lot of customers that that really wanted that they they, they just did, they they had built their business around that thick client never even went into the 
the web client. Their customer, their users all use the thick client in Outlook. The, the app in Outlook was never really designed to replace the thick client. It was, it's, it was kind of rethought how Dynamics would work in Outlook when they built the app. Um, but a lot of people used Outlook, you know, to do everything they used to do in Dynamics. And, you know, there's a lot of noise about that. So they, you know, they kind of stepped back from deprecating that. So just because something gets a deprecated tag doesn't mean it ultimately absolutely will be. But I would say that's a rare circumstance that uh, something they mark as to be deprecated would become undeprecated. And I would turn that around from the ISV point of view when I talked to Gustav Westerlund the last episode and say that this was this will actually simplify the life for them because before they would probably have to be diligent anyway and keep up with the the releases because if one of the customers upgrade then they will have to support it and now they will sort of okay we don't have to care about 8.2 anymore because no one will ever have that online either way yeah, I would agree. I think it's 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 a good news, bad news for the ISV. You need to be diligent and you need to be on top of the platform to make sure that whatever you've built works the way it's supposed to work on the current platform, um, which means you're looking forward uh, all the time. But yes, as Gustav says, you really won't need to worry about looking backward anymore, which has been a challenge not just for Microsoft, but, but for partners as well, having three or four versions of their own product in the market uh, to support. Uh, is is a lot of work. I think that there's ISVs that built solutions, uh, threw them out there as kind of cash cows, you know, making some money off the solution and stopped uh, developing it. Those solutions will just naturally break and fall apart and customers will complain and go find somebody else. Uh, There'll certainly be a a share of that. Um, And then there'll be the ISVs that really, you know, stayed on top of it and made sure that there's, you know, Click Dimensions is a a good example of an ISV who is, you know, deep into continuously evolving that product to take advantage of whatever the latest and greatest uh, capabilities are and making sure that everything they've built, which is a lot of stuff they've built across many versions of that platform, uh, will all work with the newest platforms. And it's no small feat uh, for them. Of course, they also engage with on-premise customers, which, you know, Microsoft can't turn off an on-premise customer. Uh, they can certainly maybe at some point in the future stop offering it, but they'll be they'll be on-premise customers out there with 4.0 for 10 more years, you know. And then you'll just have to make a decision as an ISV that, you know what, uh, all the customers are in the cloud. They're all in the latest version that make my life easy. We're just not going to support, you know, these old versions anymore. Um, and maybe that'll push some customers to make the move they should be making anyway. Yeah, I mean, even if the standard support end and the extended support end it doesn't really stop people from using it i mean i've seen computers with xp lately so i mean yeah as long as it still works i mean at some point i guess they just plain won't work anymore but uh, it's not like microsoft has a switch they can flip and turn off all the old on-premise deployments and make them stop working they'll just end up stop work uh, not working because you know they're not keeping up with standards or they're not you know they're not uh yeah, they're they're just not working with modern browsers, or they're not working with modern operating. Eventually, they'll just you know stop working on their own and customers. But some of those things last an awful long time. You, know, you certainly have customers out there with you know version 4.0 at, or older, uh, running on XP machines. Um, you know, just smiling all day long, um, not paying any, yeah. not paying anybody anything. You know, 
but they're, they, they, I don't think they really realize what they're missing. No, probably not. So the power platform, if I ask you, can I bet on this? What would your response be then? We're betting the farm on it. So, um, you know, you can uh, you could check with me in uh, in six months or twelve months and see if that was a good move. But you know, we've been in this space um, you know for a while uh, with Dynamics and and worked on a lot of different angles. And I feel really really strong about this this direction. I feel really really strong about the team that is behind pushing this direction. I, I sense strong commitment. Uh, which in the past, under some of the previous regimes running um, you know, the business applications, I didn't always feel a strong commitment. They'd launch something with a lot of noise and then pretty much do nothing with it. Uh, the previous version of marketing certainly suffered from that, but the new version of marketing, a completely different uh, energy from that team and commitment from uh, everybody on the team all the way up you know, through, through the business applications, BG. And I feel the same way with Power Apps. Um, you know they're 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 in it for the long haul. There there is a a particular competitive advantage that can be created if they succeed with all these pieces, and they know that, and they're they're hell bent to get there. So we're we're betting on it. So if I want to know more, where do I go? Well, more about what in particular? No power platform. Yeah, power I think platform. there's there, there certainly are are sites out there. Certainly docs.microsoft.com for people that want to kind of get in the weeds. Uh, there's whole sections in there on on all of these products. I know there's websites for Power Apps. I know you can spin up a free trial. So anybody listening to your podcast could go to, um, I think it's probably admin.powerapps.com and log in with uh, their Office 365 credentials and spin up a Power App trial um, and start uh, you know, playing around with the application. You know, and again, Power Apps is this two-faced beast, right? We've got we've got the model-driven, which is what we're focused on, uh, but there's also the Canvas apps, and they can work with both of those. Um, and Canvas apps is even is even more closely designed for the citizen developer to be able to try and you know make some usable applications with. Um, so, and but wouldn't cost them anything to try these things, and then they can decide what they want to do with them. And then, of course, you've written your on your blog a, a couple of notes or a couple of entries on on these CDS changes to the Power Platform. I have. I've been I've been trying to. I don't know if it's necessarily chronicling my experience, but I, I am sharing a lot of what I'm you know seeing and hearing and working with and how we're approaching things out there on on my personal blog at stevemordew.com and you know I'm not uh, I mean I am a Microsoft fanboy I, I, I'm very bullish on the company I hope they succeed but I, I don't hesitate to pull some punches when I don't think they are um, and I, I built up a you know pretty good following on that on that blog so happy happy about that and I hope people continue to read it and and you're the only one that I know that actually reads your own blog. <laughs> well, you know, I was uh, actually as an MVP. Um, one of the things you need to be able to do to maintain your MVP is is to uh, have contributions. And certainly, writing a blog is a contribution. Doing a podcast is a, is another contribution. So I just decided to combine the two and created a new podcast that basically is just me reading my blog. So as soon as I finish writing a blog post, I'll turn around and record it, and then just publish them both together. And I, I really, I just get two two check marks there in the MVP contribution column. But I was kind of surprised at how many people uh, listen as opposed to uh, read. 
Uh, so I think it's caused me to maybe reach a, an, another audience that just, you know, I mean, it's a lot easier to listen to. Well, as you know, people listen to this podcast as I, I listen to your podcast when I'm in a car. Um, I could I certainly couldn't read it uh, if I was in a car. So, yeah, I think it opens up a whole new audience. All right. So if we want to see you, when do you have any public speaking or any conferences that you would uh, are, are going to attend? So I'll be speaking at uh, CRMUG Summit in Phoenix, actually uh, on the topic of building an end-to-end solution on Power Apps without uh, first-party apps. Kind of everything we just talked about, really, kind of basically what we did with Rapid Start. I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not concerned about showing everybody everything we've done. Uh, I think that's, you know, the more people can know, the better it is for all of us. We'll be doing a session on that, and that's probably the the nearest one. Other stuff's a little farther out. I'll be at Ignite. But uh, actually, my wife and I are going on a anniversary slash birthday on an Alaskan cruise uh, in a couple of weeks, and we'll get, be getting back halfway through Ignite. So I'll just be showing up for like the last day there. I uh, won't be speaking, just uh, you know, saying hello. If anybody sees me there, feel free to say hi. All right. And then I will add the links to your LinkedIn, your Twitter, and your personal blog as well to the show notes so everyone can find it right there. All right, great. Any Anything that we missed today, Steve? Oh, there's hundreds of things we missed, but I think we've talked long enough. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Steve Mordu, for your participation in CRM Rocks. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can subscribe or comment to CRM Rocks. Just search for it uh, on the web or on your favorite podcasting app, and you will find it right there. See you next time on CRM Rocks.